Hey, how's it going? I'm your host, Mallory Smart, and today I'll be joined yet again by the insanely awesome Patrick Barb. Before diving into this episode, though, I'd like to ask you to support Textual Healing by following us on Twitter at PodHealing, where you can also find the link to our Patreon. You can also show your love by leaving ratings and reviews on whatever your favorite podcast platform is. But back to the show. On this episode, Patrick and I discuss his new mini-horror collection, The Children's Horror, which will be out in July. We catch up on the anthology of stories he's editing based off Neutral Milk Hotel songs, and then delve into all weird kinds of directions like old clothes, how the pandemic messed with us, creepy cartoons, and so much more. So without further ado, here's Patrick. How's it going? Good. You know, just uh, had a little bit of an exciting time to start the year. Family got COVID, and I was almost on jury duty. There's a back-to-back events. Um, so now everything's back to normal, whatever that may be. Uh, but, yeah, for, for a bit there, it was everybody's sick, and then I was uh, going down to the courthouse in, uh, here in St. Paul and managed to uh, be excused. I've done my civic duty. But uh, it was, uh, yeah, it was an eventful uh, few weeks there for a bit. I mean, that's just kind of life right now, though, isn't it? Oh, man. I tell you, half the people that were in there were recovering from COVID. It's it's wild the way that, like, you know, I mean, I get it. It makes sense. The winter months, people are not keeping up with their masking, and et cetera, and people are acting like things are back to normal and then everybody gets sick all around the same time every year and people are like I don't know what happened well (laughs) I accidentally um hosted a super spreader event (laughs) oh was that was that the book launch or is that something yeah it was a book launch it was one of those funny things you've done it (laughs) where like Prior to the book launch, everyone was like, oh, I'm just kind of getting over a cold. And I had a mm-hmm. cold, but none of us had COVID yet. So yeah. we were all just knocked on our asses a couple of days later because we found out that the uh, owner of the bookstore, like, and they didn't tell us until like the very end because they're like, oh, I just tested positive for COVID. So, oh, jeez. I had COVID on top of like slowly recovering from a previous cold, mm-hmm. and I was just like, "Why? Why me?" It's so tough. I, at least this time, this is the second time I had it. At least this time, I didn't have like the fever and the and the cough side of it. It was just the fatigue, which is, you know, I've been tired. I've got two kids, and like I'm tired all the time. So it's like not too different than my normal state of being. Um, but there wasn't like the fever and the chills and like the feeling of being like sick, sick. Um, and I just had the, I had the booster as well. And they're saying like this round of the virus or whatever incarnation it's in, it's like whatever the booster is this time around is not a hundred percent. I mean, nothing is really right, but like it's not, it's, it's less so than in previous incarnations. So I had the double, the double whammy of like getting the, getting the vaccine, having the chills, having the whatever, mm-hmm. and then also getting the, uh, getting to experience it, uh, in, in person, live and in person. I was going to be like live in New York, but where, where are you? 
I am in St. Paul, Minnesota. I've, I've, I've lived in New York. Okay, so uh, live in St. Paul, Minnesota. St. Paul, Minnesota, exactly. Which Patrick is Patrick Barb had COVID. <laughs> less, it was very cold. To, I mean, I, honestly, it was like during this time when it was like just down and like wind chill was like in the negatives and everything here over the last couple of weeks. It's just now warming up to like a balmy 22 degrees here. Um, and that feels tropical, to be honest. Like I'm out, I'm outside in short sleeves at this point. Um, but yeah, I love it was, us it was, Midwesterners. We're so great at that. Just and I I've somewhat adapted to it. Um, we our dog is from. They found her in Texas originally, and so she's clearly like a southern dog. She just hates <laughs> the cold. She's like has almost nothing to do with it, and it's great because in the winter, she just wants to like snuggle. She wants to just be on the couch and just take all the blankets from you and like sometimes she'll share and sometimes she won't um but really she's just like very cuddly and very affectionate and then summer comes around and she's like oh, I, I hate you like i want to be outside get out of my face what are you doing um so that's so like we're in that respect because i'm from the south originally um i can totally understand where she's coming from i i like the relatability to animals i mean but it's one of those things where like do you take after the dog, or did the dog take after you? The dog is much more outgoing than I am. I'll tell you that much. The dog is an extrovert, and I am certainly more of an introvert. So, like, on dog walks, it's, like, one of those things where it's, like, oh, you're so friendly. I need you to just, like, to take, take it, it back a notch. Yeah, exactly. I'm, like, I, like, you can talk to whatever dog. I will talk to whatever dog you want to meet. But a person? No. No, thank you. No, ma'am. See, I'm an introvert, and for an entire summer. I just thought it'd be fun because, you know, I live in an apartment and back then I lived in a pretty small apartment. Uh-huh. So therefore cannot have a dog. I just decided to just be a dog walker for those. Oh, there you go. As an introvert though, no one kind of gave me the heads up of every single human being you pass is going to want to stop and talk to you. Uh-huh. Yeah. It's everyone's got a story. They want to, they want to meet the dog. They want to, talk about just about everything which is fine to a certain degree i used to just take walks right when i lived i lived in new york for seven years and i would you know walk uh when i was in i lived in the upper east side for a bit and i was in brooklyn as well and either walking to the subway or walking to work depending on where i was living just slip in the headphones at the time and just you know put on a podcast put on some music and just go for a walk and kind of just like be in my own head for the most part and you you're not going to get stopped uh and have conversation nobody's gonna be like oh you're i see you're at least for me as a as a man like they're gonna be like oh i see you're walking would you like conversation um and also like but, if you're wearing airpods or something people will visibly see that whereas yes. you know being a girl woman i don't know what we start referring to ourselves when that graduates from girl to woman i'm 33 years old no one told me um <laughs> But long hair, nah. and it there doesn't matter. Exactly. I don't know if they can't tell if I'm wearing them or if they just don't care. And actually, the worst experience is the elevator. It, it is horrible. Oh, geez, I can imagine. Yeah, I, I don't miss the like big city, awkward elevator rides at all. Like just like the office building elevator rides or or, or apartment building elevator elevator rides whatsoever. It's just like. Because, yeah, there's always somebody that's got something to say. There's always somebody who wants to start a conversation. 
Well, actually, I can't tell which one is more awkward. Like when, you know, you have that like little small talk between floors and you all know that you hate it. Or when there are quite a few people on the elevator and you're all picking a random spot to look at because no one wants to talk to anybody. Yeah, exactly. And you're just like, well, this is let's get out of here as quickly as possible and, and move on with our lives. And, you know, we're all polite, I think it is. like It's, like, the main thing you are allowed to say on, like, an elevator that doesn't piss anyone off is when they get off, almost everyone's like, have a good one. Mm-hmm. Yep, or if you're getting on the elevator. I mean, I know it's cliche to talk about the weather, but, like, oh, it's really cold out there, huh? Like, that's... And I, I embrace it. I'll, I'll say that sometimes. Like, ah, I'm never going to be the person that says... How about that weather, though? Like, I, I feel like I draw the line there. Like, I want to be a little bit more specific. Let me give you a little bit more to work with conversationally. Or not. We could just, like, nod and say, yep, and, and move on with our days. I mean, I, I've actually been the person who's initiated conversation because I've noticed that, like, people have been, like, really awkward. And it's like, oh, I think they want to talk, but I guess I'm going to have to be the one who, like, initiates. Uh. And our elevator stalled and I ended up being in a like full fledged conversation with this other chick in my building. Cause I saw she had a garbage bag mm-hmm. and I was mm-hmm. just like, is this the winter equivalent of spring cleaning? And she's like, yeah, I'm donating clothes. And I was like, same here. I just don't know where to <laughs> donate them to. I'm just driving around in a car with a garbage bag full of clothes. Oh gosh. And she's like, that's yeah, my plan too. Until I, I encounter one of those bins. And I was like, Oh, okay. So yeah. all the same. Got it. Yep. I, when I was in New York, I, um, had a bunch of clothes from, from college, just like college through my early to mid twenties. And, and I met my wife and, and we started dating and, and she went in my closet and, and was like, none of these clothes fit you. You are now like, you're not 18 years old anymore. Like get rid of all of this college crap. And I didn't have where to take it. I didn't have a car. I didn't have it in my, but my roommate had a car. Um, but he didn't want to throw it away. He like was too lazy to go find the, the bin. So he like this car with, uh, like the back of the car was just filled with these garbage bags, not of his clothes, but of my clothes, his roommates who eventually didn't live with him at all. He just still had all these bags of clothes, um, for however, however, however long I, I hope it's gone now. See, I have this really weird system where, you know, like I'll, I'll go through like, Oh, I'm not in this phase of my life anymore. I have no use for this or that, but there are clothes that I refuse to throw away. And I think it really annoys the hell out of my husband. Mm-hmm. And I call them the nostalgia clothes, you know, like never pants because who needs like the jeans <laughs> that you grew out of or the weird socks or pajama pants that you tore like six years ago, but you think, oh, they're still comfy. Sure. But like, you know, like if I ever traveled to like some weird place and I found like, oh, my God, this is such a cute, weird, kitschy thing. I'm going to get it. I always hold on to those or like I have the first T-shirt that my husband got me Mm because that's actually, it was his way of saying, Hey, like, I think you're cute. Cause you know, we're both shy people. And then the other ones, every time I go to a concert, because I felt so bad about how like musicians aren't able to like make money as much. Yeah. The merch is. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I have so many band t-shirts in my closet right now. Ah, so, like, so many times, like, um, people talk about, like, concerts, and I have to actually be like, oh, I was there. I was at this, this one, that one. Like, 
and they would be like, can you prove it? And I just like start, you know, taking snaps of the pictures. Yes. And be like, See, that's yep. what I've done though, is, is I've started to take those, those clothes, especially when I've outgrown them or, you know, they did the, the, the belly gets too wide to wear the shirt anymore at this point. Um, I have taken pictures and made an album of like shirts just like that, like shows I've been to, um, like old kind of like thrift store stuff that like was cool for a while, but then eventually it was already run down to begin with. And now it's not fit for human consumption. Um, and I have like an album of shirts, like at least, uh, at least a few, I'm not as consistent with it as I probably should be. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's like, I'll, I'll do the same thing. It's like, I want to keep those pants, hold no memories, really any memories you could have with a pair of pants, I think, are probably not ones you want to uh, dwell on, really. For me, T-shirts, and I have a pair of Converse that I have worn since I was, like, 13 years old. They are wrecked. They're, like, oh, yeah. Sharpies uh, areas where I was like, oh, no, the black's going away. <laughs> need to nice. pass that <laughs> It wasn't until, like, I started getting serious tears from going to music festivals, and I was like, okay, I can't wear these anymore, but keeping them. But yeah. I don't know, like, with because you have kids, I always kind of imagined, um, I don't know if you went through this when, the, you know, like, the week before homecoming or, like, those random, like, dress-up days, you know, like, oh, it's pajama day, mm-hmm. is this? I always got so annoyed with my parents because, like, oh, it's 70s day, it's 80s day, and I'd, like, go to them and be like, do you have anything left? So they always never did. It was pretty Yeah, depressing. my folks... My folks were the same. They never had anything. I don't think they, like, honestly, I don't really think they were, like, they, weren't the they cool dressed people. up. Yeah, they weren't cool. I mean, my dad was probably cool, but, like, he certainly didn't hold on to anything. Um, and so, like, I'm basically, on those days, it's like, do we have any clothes? They're like, I don't know. Like, here's some pants that are slightly tapered at the bottom of the leg. Like, maybe this will work. Um, but, yeah, never. they were never, like, they were never like the thrift store shopping uh, parents or anything like that. They were always kind of like, we got you these new clothes. They've got Transformers and Batman on them. And, you know, and then eventually <laughs> it's like, all right, you're older. So they, it's a, here's a no fear t-shirt or something, you know, when I was in like middle school or something. So it's, uh, yeah, I don't, I didn't really have like a big selection of older clothes to pull from. And I, don't think I, my kids will, will either at this point. I'm like, well, I don't know. Are you nostalgic for the year 2000? I can, they <laughs> I don't really know. Are. I can the really... Gen Z people are. It's like concerning when I start seeing the yeah. fashion choices and I'm like, Ooh, that was high school for me. That feels so cringe. I know. I mean, they, like at the, I guess it's Gen, Gen A, the new one, the alpha, um, whatever it is now, the, the upcoming generation, which I believe my kids are a part of. And, it's not so much the clothes. I haven't. He's not at that age. Like my oldest is only eight, but like you're starting to see some of like the the slang and like some of like the like I was talking about the, the music the last time I was on. Um, but like, yeah, it's it's these these like little things where I'm like, okay, I'm way too much. I'm way too online. I'm just I just who I am. So I get the context, but it upsets me that you also get the context. Like for me, it's like, I'm this old, I'm an old person who's like, I'm still hip. I know what things are. Um, I know what Riz is. I'm with it. And then there's like the kids, like, you know, a kid saying it and saying it in like this sort of like 
ironic way because that's already passe it's been passe and now it's like making fun of it and you're like oh man i like i understand the layers of context here but i don't want to i don't necessarily (laughs) want to understand this but this is the point in my life where i'm at see i try and continuously know the context because i don't know how this happened but with my most recent book although i wrote it completely from my perspective a lot of people are like did you accidentally write in a young adult book and I was like, oh, no. Oh, interesting. Didn't mean to do it that way, but if it crosses that you know, boundary, cool. So now I'm determined to continuously know what they say and their perspective on the world because I'm like, maybe I might need it. But you know, it is like the slang and everything. I just had another podcaster compliment my book, and they're like, it's a total mood. And then they're immediately they're nice. like, do people still say that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I feel like the trick, though, with like – you know, the YA or whatever, like, I feel like, you know, obviously YA is like a, in terms of like marketing relatively on like the grand scheme of things, like a newer category, although it's now really firmly established itself over the last 10, 15, 20 years. Now, um, at the same time, I feel like those works that are the kind of young adult, either like crossover between sort of young adults and also like adults that read, stories with kids in them or or teens or whatever. It's like the authors that halfway make up stuff. Like, you know what I mean? Like it's, Mm -hmm. it's like, it's more feels more valid when like it's, if it could be somebody who was like, I don't know, seven years old, but they're like hundred percent leaning in and somehow managing to strike that balance between not seeming to cringely, add the latest catchphrases but also aren't talking about like the sock hop and the soda (laughs) jerk or whatever else like there's that fine line between like just completely made up that i think resonates soda jerk what is that no soda jerk's a real thing this is from like the 50s um when they would have you go to the drugstore which is where people used to get soda and and fountain sodas and things like that and the person who was responsible for like pouring the sodas was called the soda jerk i think we should bring that back i mean you know everybody's their own soda jerk now so it really where <laughs> we all have our inner soda jerk really like because right now i'm just thinking in my knowledge like i don't think they said that in the first back to the future at all well yeah they, they might have missed out on that one they're real it is a lost opportunity for uh, Robert Zemeckis and, and Michael J. Fox to really bring that phrase back to prominence, I think. Well, knowing our society right now, there's always a chance that they could reboot <laughs> that series and then they'll just bring back some of that. But like in terms of authors, there's nobody more cringe these days, like older authors that are trying to lean in than Stephen King. Like he's been bothering me a lot. Oh, yeah. You know, I my trick with... with any sort of person of that caliber who is very well-intentioned and um, I think ultimately on the right side of history, when you look at like the grand scheme of things, et cetera, et cetera, it's just like I follow too many people so I can drown. <laughs> it's just like overwhelmed by information because yes, there are times when um, people I think have this expectation of, all authors, creative type people, 
artists to a certain extent as well, although I think they get away with you know working in visual uh, mediums rather than written ones, is that you have to always be saying something right like you have to always be either like on a podcast like this or you have to be tweeting about everything that happens or you know at a certain level i feel like when you get to a certain level of prominence in whatever your field is especially if it's a creative one all of a sudden there's this obligation to like speak out and there are some things that you absolutely should speak out about. I think there are some injustices and terrible events that happen in the world. And there's other things where it's like you see people who are trying to like pick fights with like uh, Elon Musk or Donald Trump or, or whatever. And it's like, yeah, Why I don't bother? know. Those like, are fights are, that you can't win. Those are like, you're not like you might feel like you want it, but like in their mind, you can't beat them. So why bo- bother? Yeah, I am. I am more of that. I think there was a time in my in my younger posting days where it's like, I know I'll, I'm going to you know, you're, you feel like you're going to say the right thing and it's going to like change it. Like This is going to be the one. This is going to be the thing that, that fixes it all. It's not. It's it's really not. You can just like I mean, at this point, I'm just like, I'll have fun. If something is, you know, if something needs to be shared, uh, you know, charities or fundraisers or things like that, where there's a tangible impact that you can make on the world, I think that there is 100% a valid reason to do that. But if it's just like getting your getting your knocks in or getting your licks in on something, it's like, I don't know, just like that's why they made like uh, the group DMs. Like that's, that's like, like I, I recommend for so many people that they just like find a bunch of friends or like one friend. It's fine. Don't, don't be greedy. And like, just get on a text circle or something like that. And just like text all your like memes and your whatever. Or, you know, my other idea is that people just get off social media entirely and just start whispering all their secrets into the trees the way they used to do it back in the back in the old like days of the founding of the country or something. You know, like we really want to get back to like whispering your secrets to the devil or something in a in a, in a moonlit path or something. The devil's listening. So, yeah. Well, that's good. It's, it's good numbers then if you can get the devil on uh, on the on the show. <laughs> I, that would probably be one of my dream guests. If there was a devil, I'm, I, I really don't have any belief in any ideology other than like certain political views. But <clears throat> with religion or whatever, I don't really believe in shit because it's one of those, who actually knows? So if there was a devil, I would totally have them on the show. That would be lit. I feel like it's got to be like he, they, whatever the pronouns they wants to use, you know, let him come in there and spit, you know, spit, spit that hellfire, right? Like just, uh, it's a dream guest. It's awesome. Uh, I mean, let's be honest, like the book that he's featured in paradise lost. And then you got the Bible on the other hand with God, there's like neck and neck really. I mean, honestly, in it's terms, amazing. in terms of like quality. Yeah. Whereas like, I think the most boring person to have on a podcast would actually be like God. Yeah, Exactly. Be like, oh, do you have interests? <laughs> Whereas, like, any amazing, like, musician or writer or any artist at all, you'd be like, they're probably in hell. Sure. Like, sure. 
it's one of those like, did you have too good of a time in life? You're going to hell, probably. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And also, just like God, completely inconsistently written. It's like there's no character arc. It's really just like it's all over the place. So you got to watch out for that. That's why if I go to a bookstore and also many times at the library, I like to put the Bible in a fiction section. Oh, tricky. I know. I like it. Although I, I notice that other people do it too, so now it's like not as rebellious. It's catching on, right? It's a, That's the thing. I've seen it some other places. Um, some other people do it. But, you know, keep up the good. Keep up the good work. Yeah, you know, fight the good fight. The good work with the good word, as they say. <laughs> I do like that you mentioned jury duty, by the way, because I have never received any summons for jury, jury duty. I don't want to ever, like, deal with that, but, like, sure. it's on a list of, like, things I don't want to deal with, but I subtly, like, want to. Well, this was the first time I've gotten to the point, I don't think I was ever got that far in, in New York. I moved would move apartments like every year or two. And if you do that, you can pretty much stay ahead of the jury summons that way. But in California, I had a couple of times where I would have to like call in and I never had to go into a courthouse or anything. And it was just like, you call in and they go, we have uh, approximately 1 billion people here in Northern California. So uh, you don't need to come in um, here in Minnesota. It's, it, it I, I, at first I was called, um, like in the fall and then I got sick, not COVID, just another regular run of the mill cold and had to, had to bow out. And so they rescheduled me for January. And this time, you know, you get the piece of paper that says, Hey, we're going to, here's your number here, you know, call this number and, and see if you have to come in and you call the number and the first couple of days, cause it was around like uh, Martin Luther King Day, so there's no nothing going on on Monday. But they're like, okay, uh, first day is like groups one, two, three, four, or five, or six, and, and that's it. And you're like, I'm like, great, I am number 37. There's no way that I'm getting called in. And then the next uh, afternoon, they're like, um, so yeah, we did one through six. Now we're going to do seven through 37. <laughs> and so... I had to go in. So I go into the courthouse and they just like, you just sit there and you sit in this room down in the basement of the courthouse and they, they, they pick a bunch of people and they say, okay, you, 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 and you go. And, and I was at the point where I was there for a couple of days and I was down to like being in the jury box because they were trying to like have the two lawyers. They do that thing. Like they show you in the movies where they're like, asking the jurors questions to try to like figure out like who doesn't like cops or who's racist or who's this and that and the other. And then I got excused because, um, neither (laughs) because I don't like cops. I don't know. No. Um, it was one of those things where it was like, I, I sat there, it was a criminal, uh, case and I sat there and had this moment of like, Oh, Okay this is the real deal where you are, you know, to a certain degree influencing somebody's fate, like the rest of their lives, um, both, you know, perpetrator, uh, victim, whatever, you know, whatever side of the coin it is. And I suddenly felt like, you know, very humbled and inadequate to the, 
to the challenge, but then you see some of the other folks that are like there too, and you're like, well, if this guy or gal can do it, then you know, I don't know. Like, and then, like, like, do you ever like look at them and be like, ooh, I worry about your potential to be on this jury, like based on oh, your demeanor. One hundred percent, one hundred percent. Also, like, just there are some people who like clearly didn't want to be there like even more than than myself and i truly admire the people who were like uh your honor my name is i have a bad back and i like just like fully oh i don't know if i can it's just like oh come on like you i just, just don't want to like, portray myself as the most mentally unstable person it's it's probably this game is all Minnesota here, so it's all everybody's really nice for the most part. So like, I was like, can I lean into this one hundred percent and just be like the person who is like a little bit, a little bit out of touch uh, on the brain side of things, and also like has like the most inconsistent views on things. And it's like because they ask you questions on there's like a questionnaire you had to we had to fill out, and it was like. What um, where do you get your news? And of course, I was like, "Oh no!" Like <laughs> uh, Twitter and Facebook, like and... Daily Mail or Reddit. I I don't know. Just come up with something really weird. Oh, somebody did say like, oh, "What's the right wing one?" It's like Daily Wire. Is that the it's is that the one of that? Yeah, nature. and they were like, Ooh, uh, or like the other ninety eight percent. Or something. Yeah, something. Yeah, and I was like, uh, somebody did say, uh, "And now this or whatever." What's the thing that does like Snapchat or like? I don't even know. Oh, they're like one of those ones that like. Really, I feel like I was like, don't they just do stories about like a kitten was adorable while crossing the street? And I was like, all right, fair enough. Like that's good news, I suppose. Um, Yeah, and then they were like, "What are your favorite TV shows?" And I had this moment of like. Well, I don't uh, now. I said I feel very judged. Like I don't know what to say. And then the, the most interesting thing there was that I got to like say for occupation. Yeah, I put the day job, but then I was also like, I'm a, I'm a horror writer, and I'm a member of the Horror oh, Writers be, Association. Like, they wouldn't like that. They asked me about it, and I think that's probably what got me. I'll be honest with you, that may have been what got me, got me booted. Yeah. Because they were like, oh, you're a you're a horror writer, and. Immediately, because I've, you know, I've had this, this, I had the collection out at the end of September. I've got these other things that are coming up, and I was like, immediately in like sell mode. <laughs> I was like, yes, Your Honor. Um, my debut collection came out uh, at the end of September. Uh, it's 18 stories, and she's like, okay, okay. <laughs> I was like, I was like, oh no, I'm just immediately selling. Like I've like trying to get these people like look if i don't get anything out of this other than like they pay you 20 bucks a day if oh, i can also get some book yeah if i can get some book sales out of this then 100 percent i'm going for it and so yeah they asked me like one of the lawyers was like um so uh how did you get into the writing and so i was basically just i did the you know you do the podcast spiel basically where you're like laying out the like how i got started and my wife was uh you know she was working full time and I took some time off to do freelance work and and I'm like it can kind of feel that a this audience is like not the right audience for it but also you kind of feel like oh okay I'm about to go home like <laughs> <laughs> I have I have successfully talked my way 
off of this jury and and headed home. What is it about like writers where we suddenly bring up like our books at the weirdest moments? I actually had to you know have a procedure done like two years ago, mm-hmm. and while they're putting me under, have you ever like had to go under anesthesia anesthetic? Only when I had my wisdom teeth out, so that's really kind of mild oh. um, there. But yeah, not nothing beyond that. Um, it was one of those things where they either I've been under anesthesia a few times. I don't know. I'm fucked up. Um, hey, it's all good. <laughs> so I've gone through all different kinds of anesthesiologists being like, oh, can you count backwards from like 100? And like that's when they like finally are like can tell if you're down. Mm-hmm. And I don't know why, but they actually started asking me random questions instead to see oh, like gosh. oh okay. this is gonna be like how we see she's down and instead i just started to like promote my book to like That's all so the funny. nurses and doctors yeah no it's it's so much easier to talk about it when it's like not quite the right time whereas i've had these other instances outside of like a like again a podcast or something like this where it's like i know i'm coming here to talk about whatever, T-shirts, books, et cetera, um, you know, or it's something like that versus when I'm in a social setting and a wife, a wife or a friend is like, oh, hey, they know they like horror movies. Could you talk to them about your writing? And I'm just immediately like, no, <laughs> no, I can't. Uh, all of a sudden, I don't know what words are. That really becomes this thing where it's like, you're blocked all of a sudden. It's pretty cool that, like, I know that when I start, like, digging into your writing in a little bit, you'll actually know what to say. Whereas, like, I was thrown a curveball the other day. I know. This is awesome. Because sure. Because we are discussing horror movies. That was, like, the whole emphasis of, like, that's what this show was about. And it was about um, Grindhouse remakes. Um, I don't necessarily believe that Texas Chainsaw Massacre or Hills Have Eyes are, you know, qualify as Grindhouse. Uh-huh. But I studied up on that because I love the horror genre, and I was like, sure. I'm totally gonna come out on top of this. Where like they're gonna be impressed with me. One, it, it was three people on the podcast so like we all were coming at it from different weird directions where like one was obsessed with the directing another one was obsessed just with the scenery and I was like I'm here for the gender politics and everything else and let's trash capitalism but right before and then at some point in it they wanted me to promote my book and I completely forgot what my book was about oh gosh and I was just like, oh, shit, could we talk about Texas Chainsaw Massacre? Yeah, well, that's the thing with like shows, right? Like shows like that where it's like, we're doing this, and also you can talk about this thing you do, but it's not really the main focus. Yeah, that's always hard, right? To like be like, well, now I'm in sales mode versus, look, guys, I'm, we're about to do a deep dive on Arlie Army and the Texas Chainsaw Rat Massacre remake and everything will be on that like yeah i totally get that 100 percent. because like there i was like prepared to be like oh and you know here are the differences between the original and the remake and like how they are consistent with like themes with like where we were in the socioeconomic like Mm -hmm. like i i was there for it and instead i get asked about like what the genre of my book that i just came out with and immediately i was like i never thought about no (laughs) yeah (laughs) 
Would you like to hear the like synopsis on the back of my book? I can give you that. <laughs> right? That's the, that's the way to do it. That's why we write these things, or I have other people write them for us. Like, that's, uh, that's what it's for. I had a release party, and uh, I, I had to read the back of my book because I totally did not realize what my publisher wrote. <laughs> oh, wow. Summary. Like, because I gave them like a list, and they sure. ended up obviously like picking from like the random list and like, consolidating it so yeah it definitely was a decent summary of it but I was like stumbling like oh and like I even like said I was like I didn't write this I had that like uh, Joe Coy moment like <laughs> I, I didn't write this um don't don't blame me this is like the best I'm, I could do please pay attention to everything else though this this one wasn't me oh that's so funny Whereas, um, like, I'm sure like you know what is it um the book that you was talking about like parenting the age of drone warfare like yes you, you know exactly what it's about yeah well i mean that's also like it's it's a novelette so it's shorter but it's also like one of those things where i think one of my strengths there is that i had this past of working in publishing i was in like book publishing for 11 i guess 11 12 years um 13 years i guess and then and then left um and i'm still like i work in, ed in editing now but it's a very different kind of book editing it's like for a nonprofit, and but i had this experience of writing copy and like writing things both when i had uh book pitches come in to like pitch them to uh the publisher to pitch them to my publisher that i was working for um and then also to like write book copy like back of the book Ooh. copy or amazon copy and so i've got that ear for it and it's it's sometimes annoying because it's like there's that way of like being like oh you got to think about seo and you got to put like the first like 25 words of the description are got to be are the most searchable words and so you have to like figure out a way to write that doesn't sound like a robot and of course now obviously <laughs> i'm assuming they just have robots that do all that um i don't want to admit the fact that i actually explained to chat gbt everything about what my novel is about and then was like so what genre is this Oh, that's funny. What did it say? It said contemporary fiction. I was like, all right. Oh, thanks I for guess. nothing. <laughs> like, what the fuck, AI? Can can you not like get more creative here? No. Well, I think it's only about as much as they they what you put in is what you get out, and maybe less so. Like at first, I tried to put like a link to the book, and it was just like, sorry, I can't access any information that was not put in here prior to January 2022. And I was like, well, what the fuck are you here for? And who knows. Good so, question. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I would be fascinated to be like, what would ChatGPT like consider your book as? Like, just that—that's a fun thing. Just like type in everything you know about your book, and then have it like come back at you, and it'll probably also be like contemporary fiction. That would be funny if it's like it's like it only reads one type of fiction. It's just like everything is contemporary fiction. I'm mean, like pretentious. Like, Chad GPT is just pretentious and just like ugh, it's everything's contemporary. It's so, yeah, it, it's avant-garde. I mean, it was a, a contemporary fiction with elements of introspection, humor, and a narrative that explores themes of identity, self-discovery, and the potential pitfalls of fame. And I was like, the last part is kind of alright, but <laughs> give me a genre. <laughs> Well, like, you know, it's the elements of introspection genre, which is really, I mean, it's not just journaling. That's the, <laughs> that's just the, uh, the, uh, elements of introspection. 
Where I, yeah, it is one of those things where like I know that my last book, a lot of people were like, "Oh, this is auto fiction." I was like, "No one told me." Like, <laughs> I just wrote the, I just wrote a book. Yeah. But, like my next book that I'm working on falls more into your realm of like okay. horror, right on. like a little bit YA horror. And yeah. Like, I don't need to ask ChatGPT what that is, but. No, like when I asked about the genre, I was just like, uh, it's fiction, you know, a little bit of an, it's an existential crisis and like 200 pages. But I did that Tarantino thing that he did in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood where he accidentally like had a very large horror sequence, even though he didn't mean to. And there's one mm. chapter in my book where it's like, ooh, did I accidentally turn this into a horror story? So... I love yeah. it. That's not like I, I, any kind of like those literary, whatever you call it, literary fiction. There's so many like authors that delve into horror, right? Like there's like, you could look at somebody like a, a George Saunders and like, I feel like so much of his writing t- veers towards horror. There's like horrific moments in those books. Cormac McCarthy is a bigger, you know, like. Oh, that's a great example. So, so much horrific stuff. Blood Meridian is practically a horror. It's a Western horror, Western but just doesn't like a hundred, like it leaves it ambiguous enough. You know, like that's the thing is like, there's enough ambiguity that you can be like, Oh, this is, this is uh literary and, and fancy, but it, like it's, just, literary. it's scary. It's the best thing ever. Cause like whenever anyone asks you what a book is about, obviously contemporary fiction is the new word thanks to AI, but I always am just like literary fiction in hopes that they don't ask me anything more. <laughs> It means absolutely nothing, and it means everything, and that's I think yeah, that's I great. Words, you know, they're, they're fiction, and uh, I think that qualifies as literature. So, well, it's like what they, I think with like the genre stuff, it's you know, you write a, a horror book, and it's like, okay, is it extreme horror? Is it like, is there sexual violence? Is I there like this, the that, and the other? Genres of horror. So, like, is it splatter? Yeah. Is it slasher? Is it um, literary horror? Which is Literary this whole horror, yeah. other thing where it's oh, like, I think like contemporary movies, contemporary horror, contemporary. I, I don't even know what that would, I mean, I suspect it's just like thrillers uh, more or less, Maybe but more like yeah. elevated horror. Yeah. Like know. the elevated side of things. There's like the Gothic was having a moment and like, I feel, feel like there's a, a strong current of like folk horror and adventure horror and people like going out and doing things. So it's like either have horror that's like, we're in a house, it's haunted, or we're on the road, we're on a mountain, and it's haunted, uh, or, or it's weird, or something like that. Like a lot I of my once, stuff. Like pitched a horror thing that I was working on as it's the kind of thing that Netflix would turn into a miniseries. Yep. That, that that was all I could think of. Where I was like, that, that that's where it falls. That makes sense. I I, I can see it immediately. Yeah, it's like, I think it's something that Ryan Murphy would write. Oh, okay, one of those, okay. Yeah. I was thinking of like the Mike Flanagan kind of uh, like miniseries, but yes, the Ryan Murphy thing is another one. So. That's a very, very interesting uh, competing visions there, I suppose you would say. He's a Midwesterner too, like maybe we all have that vibe a little bit. Yeah, could be. We all have that like shared wow, this is a very boring region to be in. <laughs> let's let's spice it up a little bit. Let's 
kill some people. So, like, with the subgenres that you were just, like, discussing, because, like, I mean, you were saying, like, oh, like, Gothic had, like, a moment and everything. I mean, because I've been reading a lot of horror that's been coming out of, like, I don't know, let's just call it Twitter land. Mm-hmm. Do you follow that in your writing, or are you just, like, in your head, like, to hell with it? I'm just writing what I write. More so writing what I write. I think the way, like, navigating trends, it's never... You know, and I've, I've heard this said by other people, so I'm not like inventing inventing the wheel here or even reinventing it. Um, to say, don't chase trends with your writing. Like for me, it's like I'll go from writing a novella about uh, a giant ape in New York who is killed and it comes back as a ghost and makes friends with this guy on the subway. That's one story, and then turn around and be like, okay, this next one is about a vampire who is an underground hardcore wrestling champion and it's bloody and violent and it's about like wrestling and and vampires. And that's another story. And then turn around and say like, okay, this next one is about um, like a sci-fi horror and about like technology and touching on like school shootings and things like that. And that's like the third book. Um, Because that's just where I like, I don't feel like I have enough of like, a publishing track record where I'm locked in yet to but one type of book. Have, like quite a few. It's just one of those like where I could just say blanketly, like you go for the scarier stuff somewhat. Sure. That, I mean, that's fair. And I think like I'm at the point where, you know, I, I like to take kind of familiar sort of subgenres or concepts and kind of tweak them ever so slightly. Like that's a lot of what the, my, my last collection was, was just like, taking supernatural horror, taking like a haunted house, but it's haunted by <clears throat> the future rather than being haunted by ghosts or saying like, here's a slasher, but it's like, it's like a cosmic horror sort of beyond that sort of visceral um, grittiness of like the camp slasher. And it, it spreads it out to this like cosmic uh, dimension. Uh, and like now I'm doing that, you know, got this collection coming out uh and it's gonna be like summer uh it's called uh, the children's horror and it's all the, the the starting point was like taking these stories based on the kids tv shows that my kids were watching started out during the like the height of the the pandemic like the original like kind of like the lockdowns and the quarantines and stuff that were going on because we were just watching a ton of tv with like a five-year-old and a or a four-year-old and a one-year-old or, or, you know, in doing this and seeing these shows over and over and over again and trying to find some semblance of sanity in the uh, sort of, like, very trite storytelling in some of these shows. Now, some of these are, are better than others. Um, and then sort of have... Like, some examples of these shows. Well, like, for instance, like, I mean, obviously, like, there's Pokemon, which has been been on, you know, since I was a kid and and still is going strong. And, like, taking this idea of, like, okay, it's Pokemon, but what if they were, um, what if they've grown up and now it's years later and there's, like, this um, reunion and and the sort of Ash character has (laughs) sort of, like, become obsessed with this notion of catching all the Pokemon and, and has kind of turned into this darker side of things or there's like the a paw patrol was another one that's big with the kids my, my kids are finally oh, out of their paw patrol so phase toys. i didn't know that it's was everywhere based off of a thing oh yeah it's a tv show it's been on for 
a few years now, I got to say like eight or so. And, you know, my kids, my youngest went through a phase of really being into it. And it's this town where like for some reason, the entire infrastructure is just run by uh, puppies. Um, the, there's only one firefighter. It's a dog. It's only one cop. It's a dog. I guess. Is it a Dalmatian? Is the firefighter it is a Dalmatian? A, it is a Dalmatian. Yes. Yeah. And, the, and the cop is a German shepherd. No shit. Uh, yeah, no, they 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 go for it. Um, you know, yeah, ACAB definitely includes Chase uh, from the Paw Patrol. Don't worry about it. Um, and you know, I started to think about these shows, and and there's other ones like the um, My Little Pony and um, the Baby Shark videos on YouTube and things like that. And I started coming up with these stories that are. Uh, the starting point is like, okay, you have this, this premise of this show, but then I would go in like very weird and different directions with these stories. Like there's a mix. There's some, some that are like, you can see where the inspiration is in some of the stories that you can be like, Oh, this is like, these are analogs for this, that, and the other character. Mm -hmm. But then there's other pieces where it's like, you would have to like, ask me where the inspiration came from and they go into like sort of like uh like more, more weird fiction so it's less necessarily like straightforward horror and it's more like it seems like bizarro slipstream bizarro kind of things yeah exactly and so like touching on these like sort of like not even subgenres but i guess you call like related genres or like the cousin the cousins of horror and and kind I of tapping into some too. of that yeah, it's, you know what? Let's hope it catches on. Uh, I'm I'm down for that. Um, but just bringing those together, and it's all like frame. I have this framing sequence that's in there um, because I remember when I was a when I was a kid, we would have like standardized testing in the elementary school, and they would take like half of the students into the cafeteria or into the auditorium actually, while the other half of the the students were in classrooms filling out these Scantron sheets with their number two pencils and they would put on like, they'd have like a, they'd roll out the TV, you know, with the VCR and the, they'd have the, the straps to hold the TV down onto the cart and they would show us cartoons and they would like show us like DuckTales or, you know, whatever was the popular cartoon at the time. And there was one, there was this one time where, and this is a real thing. Um, it, there's this cartoon that was made in like the 80s or 90s. It's called Cartoon All Stars to the Rescue. Uh, this is a real thing, and it was an anti-drug, just say no kind of Nancy Reagan-y type thing. And basically, it's like if you ever want to feel like you have taken a lot of drugs, you can watch this movie because it's about these kids and they're being tempted to like do drugs. And so the Smurfs and the Ninja Turtles and the Muppet Babies and Garfield and whoever else somehow all team up to tell this kid not to do drugs. And it was the most wild thing. And I had to look it up because I was like, I know I saw this. I know this existed. Like it, it is it is a real thing. And so like this idea of like definitely a campaign then. I don't know if you remember Fresh Prince of Bel Air. Yes. Like, that had oh, like yeah. a really weird like drug thing too. Where like I don't know, like the cousin overdosed on speed 
that he took mm-hmm. from Will's locker and was like, I don't think that's how that works. But, no. Yeah. Well, there was this, um, again, this is the 90s when they had like, when we, when apparently we, we all cared about the environment more so, like all of a sudden, like at a certain point, people were like, I don't care about the environment. But in the 90s, we had like Captain Planet, right? And the Planeteers. Oh, yeah. And there was an anti-drug episode. And I will always remember this one because people would just like blow blow cocaine in their faces and they were like now i'm addicted like i am 100 <laughs> percent on crack like this is my thing now and i remember watching it even as a kid and being like i don't that's not how i don't think that's how drugs work i don't think that's how people do drugs i mean seriously 100 percent. Like, fresh prince he like mixed like speed up with like aspirin so i think he only like took two and i was like I don't think you need your stomach pumped for nah, that. Nah, bud. You might but, need a nap. Maybe yeah. a sandwich. Um, I yeah, don't even know so, what speed really is. I was saying just like, I, I don't know. I don't want to, I don't want to guess. Like, I've clearly, I did not get enough drug, uh, drug education in school despite their efforts. Um, <clears throat> yeah, so like all this stuff though, it's all, seeing these like characters in this weird context is part of the inspiration. Uh, I think for the book, it's like, here's this weird, here are these weird cartoons that these kids are being shown or that these teachers are, are, are watching. And so that's the kind of the framing story for, for the collection. And so that's you know, out with a uh, Northern Republic books, um, which is a small uh, UK based publisher uh, run by an author uh, named Dan Howarth, who done some, uh, like short fiction and, and, and horror in that horror kind of space. And, and he's got some novels uh, and longer works out as well or, or in the pipeline, I think. So yeah, it's one of these things where it's a, it's a weird idea and I didn't think necessarily, it's also a shorter collection. Like it's below the word count of like a full short story collection kind what of. Do you consider the word count for that? It's around like 50, 50,000. So like okay. you could consider like a short, shorter in that length. Like it's not undersized, but it's, it's kind of its own thing. And, you know, working with, uh, my editor at my last publisher, I said, I have this, this thing with like this, um, kids TV thing. Cause this is an idea again that I've had for now a few years. And they were like, yeah, you can just do that on your own or, or we don't have to do with us and I was like that's fine because it is going to be a weird thing and I think it's for it's me it's like I wanted brush off it was it was a lovely one I, I really felt loved I'll tell you um I I it's one of these things where like I needed to do it is one of those things where like I needed to write these stories and kind of get weird with it and hopefully some parents and and people who are you know have been around these shows or like had their kids watch these shows or or had watched in the past I'm hoping they get something out of it cuz I try to like you know put some nods into you know to whatever degree uh based on the story to try to put some nods into these properties and these shows and, and these characters. So hopefully people will dig it for that, right? Like they can find something uh, to to enjoy as mm-hmm. I, I just had fun writing it. This one is for the parents. Like seriously, yeah. Yeah, that's like, the that's thing. That's your audience. That's I mean, the I'm audience. I'm sure that like maybe I can get something out of it, but like, I don't know. Like, do you think that like you need to have kids to get the same thing out of it or... I think you'll get different things, hopefully. Like, hopefully the stories hold up on their own, right? And I, I guess, like, 
that'll depend on, on people reading it and what they think about it. There's always that notion where you, you take these stories and you've been writing them for a while and, and editing them. And, you know, I just did a pass um, to prepare for the publisher to do like the formatting work and everything. And I really kind of found like when I come back to stories, no matter how polished I've gotten them, if it's been enough time, there's always like, you always come with a new perspective or like a fresh set of eyes and you like want to change things just to, <laughs> just to change things. I had that happen. It. Yeah. I mean, I had it happen with the, with the last collection. There were some stories that had been published in, you know, online or on podcasts or, or wherever else they'd been published. Like these stories that were reprints. And as like, I, I may have said this before, but like I understood George Lucas in that moment, like messing with the original like Star Wars trilogy and like wanting to change things. Cause I was like, you know, it's been like two years. Like I can dig this story can be better. And especially if this is going to be the first time the majority of people are going to read whatever I'm writing, like I, I, I'll go for it. I'll make that change. I mean, yeah, I, I really do think like with the evolution and everything, like, because it's been so long since the pandemic, like you want to like up it a bit, like so people are like, oh yeah, yeah, okay, we get it, we remember then. Mm-hmm. As opposed yeah. to like being in that moment. So like you you said you're like really good at copy. So when this kind of comes, like what are you gonna do to pitch it? How are you gonna sell it to people? That's a great question. And now you got me on the you got me on the spot after that because um, I haven't Ooh, really I like. Happened to me to you. <laughs> you did. You've passed the, you've passed it on, uh, like the ring. Um, you know, it is, uh, it is a collection of ten uh, weird, dark horror influenced uh, uh, versions of popular uh, kids TV shows and um, other concepts. Like there's a, there's a. And I'm going off the log line now. I'm, I'm veering into like rambling territory, but like, there's a story in the collection that is more like a about like TGIF style sitcoms. So like your family matters and full houses, and it's basically the premise of the story is that um, this girl who is the middle sister in a family wakes up one day on this in her bedroom is on a set on a TV set. And she realizes that she is a, the character who has been written off of the show and going to the next season. So they've changed the show so that there was never a middle sister at all. And so now she's teleported in the real world because her character, her purpose is no, is, is lost. And, and so it gets into this whole like nature of like, who are we? And what is like, what responsibility do creators have to creations, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and also just like some weirdness of like the sitcom character who who no longer exists because I remember watching those shows like Family Matters or whatever and they would have like there's three kids and then all of a sudden there's no there's two kids and you're like well that's weird like that's scarier than anything I can think of is like yeah. just being like existing and then not existing anymore and so it's just basically taking these like these ideas and these concepts and kind of looking at him a little skewed, I guess, is what I would say. Um, and I'd clean it up and, and, you know, put a lot of fancy other words in there, but that's that's basically at the heart of what these stories are, is like taking at these familiar, family-friendly, kid-friendly concepts and then looking at them 
from like a darker lens. Well, I, I'm very excited to one see the copy you do land on, and then more sure. so about the actual book. Like I, I the, you've sold me on it based on like explaining like the stories. Okay. Now we just need to like concise it just a little bit. Yeah, you know we'll 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 workshop it absolutely. But that that sounds like it's gonna be really lit and. Summer is a great time for it to, like, be released because, I mean, you're coming, like, very close to the fall era, and that's, like, when people want to read that vibe. Yeah. I mean, I figure, right, like, there's no what – I, what I miss about when I when you were kids is, like, having – when you go into fall and it's, like, the new Saturday morning cartoons are coming, and you're, like, going to get, like, there's new shows or, like, even, like, after school stuff. Like, you'd be like, I'm going to come home after school and I'm going to watch cartoons um, and there's really not anything like that anymore. My kids are like, we will watch one show all the way through in one day. <laughs> like we will watch three seasons of it, and that'll be like, we'll, we'll be just cramming them all in. And this idea of like an event being tied to like cartoons or kids shows, I don't think it really exists anymore. There's really not that that kind of um, anticipation. It's it's your immediate gratification. So hopefully for the parents out there who do remember that, they can get a little taste of that with this collection when it comes out. I feel like the closest we've had, and I'm not quite sure that like, well, I guess at one point it was considered a kid's show or whatever. I, I think it was like season four of Stranger Things. I think like all of us had that anticipation of we're going to watch all 14 hours of this uh-huh. immediately. Uh-huh. And like, I think See, universally I mean, we all did that on the same day. Right. Yeah, I mean, we, I, I, I'm more so like those first two seasons, especially, I remember, because I didn't have kids, or like they were babies, so it was great, because it was like, could actually like, marathon things, and now it's more like, let me pace this, let me just like, slow drip this into my veins, because otherwise, I'll be robbed of like, it's just these moments of joy that I'm able to, to get, like I'm just now catching up on the last season of, uh, this latest season of Fargo. Um, oh, I love it. I was going to ask, is it like that up there? Uh, not so much. Well, the, the violence, sure. No, uh, the accents are really, um, they lean in on the accent there. That's I, why I, I couldn't I, tell where you were from, because I was like, I don't hear any fucking accent. Uh, you know, I could. I, I have this, like, chameleon thing where like when I was in school in like the deep south and like going going to to school with people from like Louisiana and Alabama and you know they talk like this and I could get into really getting the accent going there um and here it's like people are just like oh you know I'm going to going to Target and uh Costco um like there's just like a little and there's only and they all say like oh for cute there's a little bit of that I have my like my wife's so she has like one friend who like comes the closest to having that like full on Minnesota accent, right? Like just like, oh yeah, uh, okay. Um, but for the most part, people, I feel like again, a lot of these like big cities uh, like this, it's so much um, people flock. People coming so flock, they're flocking, and so like the language is just like the accents are are muddled. And I guess what do you, what would you call these like liberal um, bastion existence where it's like yeah there's this like 
very neutralized, flattened accent that is um, that I see more that I'm hearing more and more. I don't really see it, obviously. Um, but yeah, I don't know if anyone could hear like if I have an accent. Like I have no idea if I have one, but I can say like in the early '90s, I recall like some people with a Chicago accent. Whereas these days, I I think I only know like two people who have retained that accent. And I'm oh, you guys, like, it's the super fan kind of style accent. Yeah. I can't oh, it's not like the bear? Myself. It's not all just like the bear? Right. No one's like <laughs> the bears. Oh, God. I think it's like the, 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 even that, like, yeah. I, I think they had to do it with those shows, though, because it's got to be like, A, you need the accent to, like, geographically located sometimes. And also, they use a lot of, like, British actors who can who cannot do a flat American accent. It's either like, hey, I'm from New York, or it's like, well, I reckon I'm gonna... It's like, they, come on, there people talk just like you and I are talking, right? You know, how we're talking right now, which is very kind of, I hope, measured and, and even sounding. Um... I feel sort like of we accentless. have to have like a poll after this to be like, can you hear an accent in either of our voices? Me, one hundred percent. I think people will, will pick up on something. I am not picking. Up, I did not pick up uh, the Chicago um, in, in in your accent. No. no. I, I mean, I think the closest I ever do is I think I fall more in just like a blanket Midwesternisms, but like their isms, not actual like accent, like aspects like where I'll sometimes drop a y'all. But I don't even think I did it out of like, that's just how people in the Midwest speak. I think it was more about like the introduction to like non-binaries people in America. Mm-hmm. And I just was like, oh, People don't really say, what up, you guys, and stuff like that. It's kind of seen as offensive. So I started just being like, hey, y'all. Y'all really worked out well, I think. It's kind of like as that Midwestern or Southern colloquialism. It's like, hey, guys, guess what? We do have a second person plural. It's y'all. So it really is there you go. Because I, I, I don't know where, like, what other people from other regions substitute it as but you know that's like the giveaway of midwest okay but no the ones you mentioned like the midwest i mean uh british people who like british actors who do like american accents they immediately brought kate winslet to my mind with mm. uh mayor of east town oh yeah she <laughs> rocked that accent to the point where i was like do people actually speak like that i have been to pennsylvania many times i haven't encountered that one yet leaned in so hard to it right like that was intense i mean i I was into that show just to hear her speak fair enough i get i get it that and see her vape like a million times per episode that was that was the vaping show um 100 i don't think i've ever seen someone really hardcore vape in like a tv series before it is it's become the kind of new thing for characters to do, right? Because I feel like at some point they were like, we really like it when people have something to do with their hands or like their mouths in their hands and we can't do cigarettes. Like we, we just like, we got it. We can't do it. But I mean, vaping? They do the disclaimer before Stranger Things of like cigarette smoking and everything. They They don't mention that a shit ton of school kids are like slaughtered, but... <laughs> Like, ah, no, warning. But they're like cigarettes. Yeah, 
yeah, like watch out. There's going to be some tobacco products in here. But, you know, I, I have that problem specifically, though, like where I never know what to do with my hands. So p- most people think I'm actually really like rude and inconsiderate because I always have my phone. In yeah. My hand. <laughs> or people think I'm like obsessed with coffee and it's like I just need something to do with my hands. Yeah, I, I was a smoker for, uh, gosh, a long time. Let's say like 10 years or, or something like that. And actually probably longer than that. Because um, I think I started when I was like in like early high school or something. Um, I was. I was like behind the YMCA smoking cigarettes with all my friends. Just really living life. Um, Sticking it to the man. I love it. But then, I, but I quit, and I quit in. It's funny. I know the exact date because I quit on um, the 2016 election night, and it was like I think that's just the day that a lot of people picked that cigarette up. Picked it up. You would think, yes, exactly. But I like just chain smoked an entire pack or two, and then was like. It's going to be a lot worse for, <laughs> it's going to be a lot worse um, just in general. And then decided, you know, I'd stop there and have not really had it. I can't think unless there's been like, like a, somebody passes one or something and like take a drag or something. But I honestly think I have not had a cigarette since then. So, you know, am I a hero? Maybe. Um, but uh, really, it's just like that was the, that was the moment of like being like, okay. And now, it's like again, you're right. Phone, coffee, something, or like drink. You know, I love like having something. a hoodie where I just put my hands in my pockets. Because what what are you, what are these meant move. for? They're tools. That's all they are. Yeah, that's a good so, move. I know. It, it, I have no idea if anyone else really, except for obviously you, have this like very unique issue. But like people do. They think I'm just like scrolling through my phone or something. But it's like. I'm listening to you. I'm paying attention to you 100%. And I just don't know what to do right now. I get it. I like, do. Do, I, do you lay them on like the table? Like, I don't know. I can go through a variety of questions. I actually have gone through an entire therapy session. Asking just about the hands. Question. Oh, that's funny. It, yeah, I believe it. Ridiculous. 100. That could be in a horror thing where a person just is like, what, what are these for? And then go full like Edward Scissorhands or something. Oh, Sure. Yeah, yeah. Fun. that reminds me a little bit of um, there is a Stephen King short story. I think it's called like Quitters Inc. It's in his Night Shift collection. And going back to like the Stephen King thing earlier, and it's this like thing where like the mafia is running a like a, a, a racket to like help people stop smoking cigarettes. So they basically are like torturing and like torturing these people into giving up smoking. Ooh. And it's excellent. It's like one of those things where it's like, it's it's very kind of like clever, I guess, right? It's like, oh, it's, it's just clever. It's not that like cliche thing where like they make you smoke as many cigarettes as possible until it's like, okay, exposure therapy, I got it. No, this is the one where I think it's, I got him a butcher the story, but like they like make this guy like walk out around the ledge of like a building in like New York, like or like Chicago or something like that. And yes, like, so we're going vertigo here. Very vertigo esque. And like being like trying to get this person to, to stop smoking cigarettes. I think they, I think they adapted it for one of those like many anthology type TV shows that were on in the eighties, like the early eighties, like amazing stories or, or 
one of the Twilight Zone remakes or something like that. But yeah, it's it's a good it's a it, I remember it being a good story. I, I would love to check that out now. You're, you're just making me like add so many things to my like to read list, and it's already huge. So Look, thank you. For this that. we all we all must suffer together when it comes to the ever growing TBR. I don't know, like if this is something other people suffer from as well. But do you ever like? get into like a depressed mood when you realize that you will never be able to consume all the content that you want to consume all the time all the time there's always going to be more and there's so much past and like all the current you're just like the list is too big i'll never be able to do it no i have a i have a, a a tbr and i also have like books that are in my house they're in this room they're in this room right now uh um in the office and it's like I'm never going to read all of them. I know this. And every now and then I will get rid of some, usually it's like more contemporary ones, like ones that are, you know, again, that don't, they don't hear about again, right? Or like you don't get the critical, there's no like critical acclaim for them or there's no, like even like not critical acclaim, but like friendly acclaim, like that none of your friends are talking about them. And at a certain point there are, are books like that where I'm like, Okay, this feel the peer pressure. It's a good question. Like I used to get a bunch of free books when I was when I worked for like a publisher, and so that was great because I was like, this is a. I don't feel anything bad about having this or buying it. I'm not really buying this; it's free. And and second of all, I don't feel any um, guilt about not reading it (laughs) and giving it away because it was never really mine to begin with. it's I just like you know, sending it along. Um, they're a book critic, and they'll they'll do it if like they can't make it through like the first twenty pages. They just give it to someone else. Oh, that's funny. Yeah, I did this one time where I gave a I gave a bunch of books to Goodwill, or you know, and then I was like, oh, if I'm giving away books, this is like one of those things where it's like, you think I would be smarter and more on the uptake with this, but. Yeah, like I realized, like, oh, if I'm giving away books, maybe other people are giving away books. Maybe there are some good books in this at these thrift stores that I can go pick out. And it happens all the time. They have like a whole website, Thrift Books, where people can get books from thrift stores. So I go there, and the majority of the books that were there were mine. It was like I just like these are the books that I've already I, I've given these away already. Discovering that, your own like book in a used bookstore is like oh, the best moment ever. Really, like, yeah. Ooh. Did they just never read it or like they're like, I read it and I'm done. Like all the question marks go in your head. I have done the the vanity search, like the vanity Google search of the of my collection and seen like either like the thrift books listing where you're like, oh, OK, all right. Or like the eBay and it's like, you know, discount. And you're like, oh, man. OK, well, I hope somebody liked it at some point. Um, that's really yeah, that that does happen for I sure. Know. I have the arrogance, I guess. There, there's a certain degree of self, self-obsession you have to have to be a sure. writer, I think. Yeah. And, I mean, I know, okay, like, one story from another writer and then, like, one from me where, like, I was going through Portland and I immediately was like, oh, I love Kevin Samsel from, like, Powell's. He's so good. Mm-hmm. Like, nicest guy ever. He's always, like picked up Walden House books. I was like, I wonder if he picked up my most recent book. And I go to the small press section and my heart kind of dropped where I was like, no, 
he did not get my book. Like, it just, like, oh. tore me up for, like, yeah. the first time. Because my, like, husband was, like, at the food trucks and everything getting, like, a gyro. And I just, like, was, like, slowly, like, walking back and being, like, I don't want to talk about it. Ah. <laughs> uh. But now I have another person who's actually on this podcast previously where they met an author that they, like, really heavily respected. And they're like, oh, my God, I want you to read my book. And they gave it to them. <laughs> and then, like, months later, like, a fan emailed them and was like, I love your writing. It was amazing. And he was just like, oh, where did you get it? And it's like, oh, I found it in the trash right outside where you gave the book to the author. Oh, no. Well, you know, it does have a happy-ish ending, right? Like, they're like... Yeah, it's like he gained an unlikely fan, but yeah. Oh, my. I wouldn't really mind that. I would actually love to have that story. Be like, oh, that's how my fans came. They just kind of find that is a good in one. shitty areas. I like trash. Yeah, my trash, my trash army is really just big. I'm a big, big in the trash diving community. I was. Um, then I ended up just accruing so much. Um, and then also <laughs> I have, like, I don't know, like, it goes into the guilt where I can't enter a bookstore or record store without buying something. It's just like, it yes. goes back to, like, also, like, concerts where I can't not buy some kind of merch. So, like, you know, a couple weeks ago, I was at a bookstore and... I had no reason to, like, buy anything. I was just showing somebody from out of town this bookstore is my favorite place, and I was just like, I got to get something. And I just picked you out, like, get something. You feel bad. thing. I do that with books, like bookstores and, yeah, like, movies or things like that or comics, comic book stores, whatever it is. Like, yeah, you go in and you're like, Either I will go in if I'm browsing for like beyond a certain amount of time, something is getting picked up because like I feel like maybe this is like part of like the southern slash midwestern mix coming out is like you're like oh, I mean I should do something I gotta I gotta get something it's, yeah. it's, it would be rude otherwise. Or like there's another writer who came all the way up from Florida and they're like I fucking love Kiss I know that you do too let's go to the record store. Okay. And I just picked up, like, the most random-ass album. I was like, I, I, I like Tegan and Sarah. <laughs> I, I, I have been meaning to maybe look into this on Spotify, but mm-hmm. I'll get the record just because, like, there were so many of us there, and, like, they're actually buying shit. And I was like, I'll join. Yeah, got to join. It's got to follow the herd. Or, like, you know, when you just said dumpster diving, that resulted in me, like, having, like, six or seven copies of Fleetwood Mac's Rumors. Okay, and not a bad album to have a multiple. Thing, though. So, like, once yeah. everybody, like, anyone I knew got their first record uh, player, I was just like, here's a gift for you. It's your very first record. Enjoy. Ah, uh, excellent. I mean, now I'm down to one. It's mine. <laughs> <laughs> Would you pick up, like, any books or records or anything, like, that you loved? Like, find any. What do you mean? Just, like, on the street or something? Yeah. Or yeah, kind of like those cool like free libraries that you constantly come across. Yeah, all the time because most of those are just gonna have like whatever like the generic like latest bestsellers are or, like a lot of kids stuff, and then there's also like ones if you like look through them, you can find some like really quality like I found this one that had this whole collection of, like these old like men's action paperbacks that are like nobody's gonna be like trading 
these around in the little free library. Like, I don't know what the etiquette exactly is for the little free library, but like, I'll put stuff in and I'm going to take stuff out and it will be at red. Probably. Um, you should put your own book in occasionally. I have, I have, I have done that. I have done that with uh, arcs as well because it's like I got way too many arcs and I need to get rid of these. Um, so let me just put these in this little birdhouse that has books in it. Um, I have actually put one of my own books in a bookstore that didn't carry my book just out of the enjoyment of what if somebody wants to buy it but they don't have a record of it in their system. Oh, very oh, yeah. nice. I that's that's tricky. I like it. Just you know those weird ass things that your mind just comes up with. Excellent. So I I hope that I pass that on to other people. Be like fuck with the bookstores that didn't pick it up. Make them suffer. <laughs> that very awkward like five minutes where someone's like ah, I don't know how to work this. The system's weird. Yeah, that's that's perfect. And then hopefully the idea there is again you hope that like. They'd be like, who is this by? Well, they're like, ah, oh, I guess people like it. I should buy it. Yeah, you got to buy it. Exactly. Like, I went through that whole, like, I didn't put books in the bookstore, but, like, definitely I've cold called uh, bookstores in the area, which is a whole, again, for somebody who's an introvert, it's just a really interesting experience to be like, hi, do you carry this book? No. And there's that moment of, like, aw. And then there's that moment of, well, I am local, local-ish to you. Would you want to? And some places are like, yeah, sure. We'll order like one copy and test it out. And you're like, well, that's better than nothing, right? And then other places are like, well, send us a description and maybe we will, maybe we won't. And you're like, yeah, it's also fair enough. I love um, that tactic. That's amazing. We're just giving people so many ideas. Yeah. And just get, call them up and just see. Most of these places, they were very easy to talk to especially if you're like local i think sometimes like places like you know they want to have local people with their books there because they can like have events or they can you know put a little card or something like they do the shelf talkers right and like sell people that way and you know it's all just trying to trying to move units so to speak you know i i do wonder like in Chicago, obviously, much bigger city, but we have like some genre specific bookstores, anything like that. Like, there are horror themed bookstores. I actually just mm-hmm. went to a horror themed coffee shop like the other oh, day. Oh, wow. Okay. All I right. Know. It's called October Cafe. It's October every day, all the time. Love it. I know. Jack Skellington shit, all of it. I love it. <laughs> but, like, do, do you like get your shit into those kind of bookstores ever? You know, yeah, I've, I've gotten into something. There's some, like, local kind of, like, more genre focus, whether or not necessarily horror. Um, you know, any any horror uh, bookstore owners listening uh, right now to whatever part this is, um, you know, you can always order my book. It's there. It is uh, available on Ingram. The uh, It makes it easy to order books. Um, but, yeah, there's been some of these stores that, like, I – reached out and, and said like, Hey, you guys, would you guys order my book? And they've, they've done it. And then I've gone into the store and like, you know, it's cool to see your book in that section or in like the horror section for me, like to see it with like, and I've had people like show me like, Oh, it was like one of these, my friends were at, at Powell's, which was 
was like cool to like see it at Powell's and like it was like next to Clive Barker and I was like that's cool that's probably the closest that I might ever get to Clive Barker in real life like that's that's pretty cool his big influence on me and my writing and everything so you know that's that's nice like it's you know I can't like even be like cynical or jokey about it like it's just cool it's cool to see when it does happen I mean it, it is like a weird like you know I don't know like a pat on the back kind of moment mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. like it's not that you're like oh my god I'm amazing but it's like that's cool I do exactly that's the context of it it's just like that's nice that's a good thing I feel like that. that's a, that's a, a quality event that has occurred to me and those are the, like some of the most picturesque author moments there are and I mean, also, what is you just are finishing the Neutral Milk Hotel thing? Where do you think you're yes. going to get that? Uh, where, where is that going to be picked up? You think? Gosh, that's a great question. I mean, it's one of those things where like I'd love to see it in like records, like book and record stores. Like if they have those like ones that like do kind of business in both. Oh yeah, they tend areas. to coffee shops as well. Yeah, like coffee shops and things like that. You know, we're trying to get some of the stories in from the invited authors, and and by the time this comes up, the call, uh, you know, we're we're recording this now, and it's ending, uh, you know, at the end of the day today, and you know, I, it's really one of these things where like I was not expecting something that was going to be straightforward horror because I don't think like Neutral Milk Hotel is like it's not horror right it's more like weird and kind of surreal surrealist and kind of like that slipstream kind of element to it and that's really kind of what I'm seeing so far is there are some like scary moments in these stories like the way that there can be like jarring discordant uh tones in the in the music like cacophonous sounds and these sort of like this uh, climactic moments and things like that, but it's also just like a lot of like quieter moments and, and weirder things, and that's really what I was going for was like that kind of like melancholy weirdness um, and, and sort of surreality to it all. So, you know, we'll see what the rest of the the pieces that come in uh, from the the general submissions look like, but I'm excited to put it together. Like maybe it will be contemporary fiction. Oh, AI will probably definitely. Let's that. we'll we'll feed it into AI. I'd, I'd love to just feed the Nutramilk Hotel lyrics in general into into ChatGPT and just see what see what becomes of this and just see like what what is this about? Like, I think I'm just gonna take like the prompt from like the site and just be like, "What would you consider this genre?" Yes. <laughs> and I'll like exactly. Please do. Because that, I'm just wanting to think like, is everything contemporary fiction? We'll have to find out. Yeah, we we definitely will. But you know, obviously, Nutramilk Milk Hotel is something that inspires you, inspires me as well. Now, with the new short story collection, which I am so fucking fascinated with, especially when you told me like the kind of music that your kids were, like have mm-hmm. been like into, like what what did you listen to like while writing this or like getting into the vibe? For the for the kids horror um, TV kids TV, thinking a lot of like the theme songs, which are not you know like I said like the, my kids were listening to more like that weird kind of like please tell me you dubstepy kind of horror like on repeat. just on repeat one hundred percent. There was this one day, and this was prior to the pandemic, but my my oldest was very young, and he was sick, and he was home from the baby or from his daycare. 
and I was home with him, and he just wanted to watch Baby Shark videos on like an eight-hour loop. And I feel like I didn't even need to go back or re-listen to it too much because, like, there's these moments that you have that that uh, infect who you are as a person. They they like get into your psyche, and you will never be the same again. No. You know, there are these major events, and that was one of those major events. And now I can just like hear like the do do do. You know, I hear that in I my sleep. Hear. It's like yeah. It's like you just you see it coming. Like and I have kids. I just have eleven nieces and nephews, yep. and like one had a baby shark like themed birthday party, and oh like goodness. it'll never leave my mind now. Yeah, the the baby shark story is definitely one of the gorier uh, stories in the uh, in the collection for for those fans of a little bit of the the the, uh, the ultra violence. Um, let's just say that if somebody was actually to have a baby that was a shark, <laughs> it would not be pleasant. See, at um, first I was so like, that, is this going in a Jaws direction? But okay, that, that, that took a pivot that I wasn't expecting. Oh, no, no, no. It's more like uh, Shape of Water meets Look Who's Talking. <laughs> and now all I want is people to be listening to Baby Shark do, 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 while reading that. I love it. I hope that, let's, you know what? Let's hope it happens. Like again, like you'll you'll just have to like go on TikTok occasionally and be like, I recommend this one. Here's the I really need to figure out how to to be more like to, to to integrate TikTok more into my like author spiel. Like I can do a little bit of it. You've seen it. Like I, I you like know, it's, that you've been doing like the first page things. That was fun, and now I like need something new. So with this new collection coming out, hopefully I'll be able to kind of bring some bring some new things and I've got some other um like older projects that I like want I try to to sell to the youths of of the world so you know stay tuned maybe some more things will um will develop there so I I want to almost like wrap this up and be like what else do you have to tell us with your future projects but I mean you just already named so many I mean do you have some room in your mind to come up with anything? Have you been working on anything else? Yeah, yeah, I, mean, I, I have actually. Like the one other thing that I have at the end of the year, um, my debut novel is coming out from from Dark Matter Inc. Um, and it is a it's another sci-fi horror. Um, I describe this one as kind of a X Files meets Gone Girl with a with a dash of uh, Fargo thrown in. So it's like a small town abduction. Um, case a, a child is taken. Um, the 19 years later, the child comes back as an adult, and there is a question of were they taken by your standard run whack job uh, kidnappers, or were they taken from aliens? Mm. And it's and it's, it involves this kind of like. Um, female protagonist who is like older and who is um not taken seriously so getting into that kind of like small town kind of fargo vibe as well which i really i really dig those uh stories with like any kind of like anytime you have a character who's like an underestimated protagonist for you know who they are how old they are or, or you know gender sex whatever like i like seeing those kind of characters and and seeing how they navigate these these situations and, and come up with surprising, hopefully surprising solutions to, uh, to deal with the challenges. And so that's out. 
um, I am I am finishing the the manuscript for my publisher. Um, you know, as we as we speak, so more or less, like I'm I'm just about done with that, and so that's going to be hopefully knock on wood coming out at the end of the year. I mean, that's you know, obviously we are New Year, so you you've got a while. This is going to be exciting. I do. It's it's uh the title is uh currently it, it probably will stay the same, but in case it changes, it, it may change. Um, is uh, abducted. I like it. I, I, it's I short, feel so terrible punchy. when, like, my first reaction was one word, kind of predictable. But I, like, I'm the, the person who did it. well. Like, it's like, okay, you could draw me in with the cover. I'm that person who like sees like beer, and I'm like, I don't even need to know what kind of beer it is. Right. This looks really cool. Well, it's like how I shop for wine, right? It's like the coolest label is usually what I will pick up. Um, so barring if like, like the coolest cover, then like. Fuck the title. Easy. Yeah, right. Exactly. And, I, you know, I did the helicopter parenting in the age of drone warfare. Like, <laughs> I had to take a break. I was like, you know what? I've been to the mountaintop. I need to just uh, bring it down a little bit if I can. Uh, you narrowed it down very heavily. <laughs> exactly. I went down to one. I was like, boom. That is a definite, like, boom moment. It's one of those things that were, like, when people Google it, they're going to be like, very specifically, you're going to have to do your name and yep. maybe other stuff. <laughs> yep. I, whatever it takes. But no, I think that would be really cool. I'll load up the SEO on the description, right? When I send the copy to the to the public, I'm like, you guys gotta, we really gotta juke the stats on this one. You just need to get like a shit ton of people who are like into that cover and just like give it to book talkers or something, because that's such a visual. Like, wouldn't you like to crack that? That's the audience I want to crack. It's just like getting getting some of their some of that action. Or just, like, randomly, like, give it to, like, celebrities so then they're accidentally, like, filmed with, the, like, or taking pictures with, like, your book in the hand. Be like, oh, what's that one about? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Maybe, like, Kendall Jenner or Kylie. I'm not sure if Kylie knows how to read, but... If they can read, I don't care if they even know how to read. If they like the cover, that's enough. Or, just yeah, so again, it's like, oh, my get God, that nice this cover. matches my outfit. Yes. Yes. There we go. I feel like more into like the apples. aesthetic, <laughs> just more, just really an aesthetic thing. You know, it's really like, can this be a, um, fuck, I forgot the word. Um, like an accompanying item, um, Ooh, accessory. accessory, Jesus. <laughs> okay. It's getting, I think I'm running out of steam there. Yeah, I, I mean, I guess that's one of the most exciting things, though, about you is that you're just constantly churning out content. So now you have an extra issue that I don't have that you will not only be able to not read as much content and absorb it all, you'll probably never be able to write as much as you've probably got. Oh, 100%. I have, I have fully accepted that just as I won't have enough time to read all the books on my shelves, I will also not have enough time to fully develop all the, like, random notes apps uh pieces that i've typed like a couple lines and been like what if this was a blank or like you know whatever however we think of ideas um i want to give shout out to notes app writers i i do that too it's my it's i used to like write things down like physically and man i would just lose things and just have these like pieces of paper and it's like i don't know if this is a shopping list or like a really good idea for a book <laughs> and now that it's much easier a fascinating collection wasn't it just half shopping i that's you know what 
that's some contemporary ass fiction right there. <laughs> well, I think we basically did. You want to wrap this? Yeah, up? yeah. We, we can call it. I think we've 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 done it. We've we've beaten it. We've <laughs> we've won. All right, that was Patrick Barb on his second stint of textual healing. I love guests who come back and catch up on things with me. You can grab copies of all of his books and info on his future projects at patrickbarb.com and stalk him on X, the app formerly known as Twitter, at pbarb. Be sure to check the show notes for all the proper spellings and links. As always, please check out our Twitter at podhealing and take a look at our website, textualpodcast.com. Show us support by going on to Apple Podcasts and leaving us a five-star review or subscribing to us on Spotify. And, of course, don't forget the Patreon. This is Mallory Smart. We'll be back next Saturday with an off-the-record episode with Beatrice Sealander. Thanks for listening to the show. 